Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss the exciting science behind HRV and how you can apply it to your own health and the work that you do. Just a note, this podcast does not replace medical advice, and if you're going to apply this to your own life or others, please consult with a medical provider. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. Uh, this is Jeff Summers here, co-founder of Optimal HRV, with my partner in crime, Matt Bennett. Matt, hey, Jeff. Happy, happy Friday, man. I know. Record this on a Friday. Put a smile yes. on your face. Friday afternoon, this is really the last thing on my uh, schedule for the day. So I know you got other things to do, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm checking out after this. I don't know who schedules meetings for three o'clock on Friday. <laughs> Wasn't on purpose. I can promise you that. <laughs> I can promise you that. Well, hey, at least we've got some clear air to uh, enjoy a nice fall weekend here. In Absolutely. Yeah, it feels like fall. It was, I think it hit about 87 earlier this week with the smoke. And uh, yeah, let's, let's get the snow to put out these fires. I'm ready. Right now, we're just a few weeks away from the first scary is starting to open yeah. up. It's crazy. They're making it up there, so. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Well, speaking of skiing, let's let's yep. jump right in. It's a good segue into uh, the focus of the podcast today. And, and for, for the viewers who are actually um, product users, we've got uh, an updated interface that we are very excited about. Very excited. And we'll talk a little bit about what you can expect towards the end of the podcast. But for those who are just tuning in, to learn more about HRV, we'll, we'll kind of get into the content and, and sort of what we're planning to discuss in the episode first. Uh, and today that is exercise and movement and how it relates to stress and, and HRV. So this, this is sort of your, your prototypical HRV conversation. Yeah. You know, this is where most people are applying HRV in the, in the world right now, Matt. And so I think it's, it's interesting that we've waited till episode, what are we on, 10 or something? <laughs> yeah, 10 or even, 11, yep. We've even brought this up, but it, it's still very important. And, you know, when you think of stress, um, it, it runs the gamut in terms of jobs, relationships, um, you know, health. But exercise is stressful too. And as we've talked about, there's two types of stress. There's eustress and distress. And yeah exercise can also be both depending upon yeah. you know what kind of shape you're in and 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 sort of what what you put your body through but uh, you know i think it's really important for us today to talk about what are we talking about when we're talking about exercise because this isn't a podcast designed for the ultra marathoner yeah um and how does that relate to overall well-being and and how we can handle and and you know recover from stress great so yeah i think it might be good to break it down into you know, a real quick talk about HRV and training. So, uh, you know, we do live in Colorado and every other person, I, I live across the street from a shoe store. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I've, I've stopped going to shoe stores because I'm tired of people asking, well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about going from 50 miles to 100 in my next race. And I just like, I just want a pair of shoes to run around the block a few times. But uh, I <laughs> well, think- And also no shoe store carries size 18 or whatever it is. Uh, that yeah, wear, yeah so. that's true. That's true. Uh, so so let me let's talk uh, just quickly on the on the training piece of it because you know when, when I especially in my self-care arena when we're thinking about from a wellness perspective 
I've almost used the word movement more than exercise. So maybe we can break it up into to two parts. And with the training part, not going to say you're going to run 100 miles like everybody in Boulder is trying to do, but that, that you're, you know, maybe training for a 5K, 10K. Uh, you, you know, maybe, you, maybe you're younger and still playing organized sports in some way or the other, still training for, for those sort of things. You know, that sort of stress, you know, that sort of exercise is, is a form of stress and strain, like we've talked about in previous episodes. It knocks you out of homeostasis. Um, so, so it's sort of like, you know, you think about you go for, you know, a good long run, a training run. Let's say, let's say you're going to run a half marathon. So, so you're pushing yourself, you know, to run your first eight miles of your entire life. That, that puts a real stress on the body. Now, so what we see after one of those sort of uh, hard workouts per se, is that we're gonna see a drop in heart rate variability after that, that workout. Our, our body is going to be, as we talked about HRV being, how are you handling or recovering from stress? Well, if you run more than you've ever run in your life, you know, my, my uh, personal best, and I just wanna put this out here because I, 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 I'm, I'm proud of this, but, you know, and I did this all above 9,000 feet in altitude. And if you never run above 9,000 feet in altitude, you got to give me a little extra credit for that. But I, I wanted to run the, the marathon. I'm just cheap, so why pay for it? Because I'm in the mountains, so why would I drive anywhere to run otherwise? And I got to 20 miles, and I started not to be able to form sentences anymore. And my wife was riding the bike alongside me. She says, I think I'm going to ride home and get the car because you're done, um, which is a good call. <laughs> but that's, I mean, exercise can get us into to that state. Now, most people, that was me pushing myself. I'd been sort of working up to that, that sort of a distance. But, but there is that strain. Now, now, the great thing is when we recover and we give our body a chance to rest, you know, the strain we put on our body builds our muscles. We know just if you haven't heard about it, when we work out, we will tear, we'll have micro tears in our muscle. And when those heal, that's how our muscles grow, build more resiliency, more strength. So, so anybody doing a hard workout is really stressing out the body. The key in what HRV is changing athletics is hey, if you wake up the next morning after a long run, your heart rate variability still hasn't recovered back to baseline, don't go push yourself again. You need, right. to, you need to give your body a chance to recover. So like the LeBron James of the world, um, you know, these elite athletes, the, the, the challenge HRV and HRV is changing the paradigm is we need to maximize recovery as much as our workout. So this is why like LeBron James has one of those million dollar cooling things high you know the cooling <laughs> therapies and people are you know you know hyperbolic chambers in his basement exactly and all these hyperbaric, hyperbolic yeah your own massage therapist and there's a compression thing that goes on your legs uh that that you do and all, all these you know you know he spent over a million dollars just on his recovery uh, stuff plus maybe 10 minutes, it's a ridiculous amount of money every year. And so on one hand, if you are training for something, 
and your HRV has not recovered yet, what we know is if you push yourself again, which was the mentality I grew up with, right? You get your butt out of bed. Usually the weight room opened at, for whatever reason, 6 a.m. in the morning. Still don't quite get why we couldn't have opened it at eight. But, you know, you get in, you're standing in line, you bust your butt, take a little nap, get up, go for a run. You're training, 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 training as a college athlete. Uh, you know, I know I could have probably been a lot better in shape if I gave myself more chance to recover. So, so I do want to throw that out there because it's one of the, the, the evolutions um, that heart rate variability is really bringing uh, to the ath- athletic world. Um, so, well, and you, I think we have to give that credit to folks yes. who have done the research because it's, it's really yeah. what's brought heart rate variability to the masses, you know, yes. I mean, with the ability and the availability of all of the personal monitoring devices, wearables, uh, combined with the interest from the elite athletic world, all of a sudden HRV is becoming more and more uh, uh, a popular thing to pay attention to, which, which is great. It should have been a long time ago, right? And so, yeah. you know, we have to be thankful that, that that's happened. Yep. Well, I sometimes joke about CrossFit because if you know anybody that loves CrossFit, all they talk about is CrossFit. But boy, <laughs> the, the CrossFit guys, gals, folks, uh, they when they find something that works, they run with it. And then I, I give it a lot of credit. It's It's been in and it's worked its way into a lot of uh, different arena. Like I said, the, the world-class athletes, um, from everywhere from what's the PGA to the NBA and the, the NFL. Uh, very few folks, uh, I think, after, especially after the pandemic, because we were also using this to track potential COVID in these bubbles. Um, I'll be surprised within two years if anybody who gets paid to be an athlete is not tracking their HRV on a, on a daily basis uh, and, and probably in a very intense way. So, so again, I wanted to throw that out there just to, to say, hey, the, you know, our app tracks this as well. Uh, if I so, don't get home from a flight late and my HRV is in the red, I'm not probably going to go for a run that day. I just know if I do, I'm more vulnerable to illnesses and other things that I might be exposed to. Well, especially as we get older, um, the concept of injury becomes more and more a part of our reality. And uh, walking up the stairs, yeah, yeah right. And so, uh, you know, as we hit forty and and north, um, which you know, I hit forty this year, and that was interesting. Weird time for a fortieth birthday in the middle of lockdown, but uh, I know. I know. you know, and all of a sudden, paying attention to these metrics and saying, okay, I, you know, I, I feel like I need a, a good hard workout. Yeah, but now I, I realize that I'm well below my baseline. Uh, it's not a good idea because yeah. I may throw my back out if I'm weight yeah. if I'm weightlifting, or you know I may pull a hamstring if I'm trying to go for a run. Or yeah, let's you know to your point, you brought this up in many other podcasts. The, the whole concept of of walking to most people is is not a workout, um, yeah. but it, it's a real alternative. It's a real solution when your body hasn't recovered and isn't able to handle more stress. Yeah, and it's yeah, this idea of active recovery, which I really, this is where I'll give, like I said, because I, I listen to everything and read everything I can on heart rate variability. One, one of, this is one of the things I've really come to appreciate is, you know, and you see this out of the neurobiological research as well, is human beings are really designed 
to walk. I, I mean, we, we can do, you know, it's interesting if you read like the Born to Run and some other books that really study these cultures that still do this long distance sort of hunting uh, mentality and running is a part, you know, yeah, we, we can run, but they're usually running at a fairly slow, a slow pace, uh, you yeah. know, and, and so, you know, we're, we're sort of designed as human beings to move at a, a, let's just say a brisk pace, somewhere between a jog maybe and a, and a quick walk is sort of that, that kind of ideal thing. So, so just because your heart rate variability is in the red doesn't mean, and this is where my thought about using more and more of the word movement comes right. in. Right. Um, you know, I've integrated lot, like today, for example, I've, I've just had, I've had a great week, but it's been a long week. I, I'm in this really fun project, but when I'm in really fun, creative projects, I don't, I, my mind doesn't shut off. So I don't sleep great. And I know we just did a sleep episode. So <laughs> nothing like talking about sleep hygiene and teaching everybody else how to sleep well, and then having a terrible week of sleep myself. But so I've, I've not had the like physical energy that I normally have had. So, you know, what I do is I, okay, I'm going to go on this lunch. I did two and a half mile walk with the dogs, you know, put on uh, music and I'll probably do that this evening as well. And so the, the, the whole call to this, and this is for the folks that aren't training for a half marathon or even a 5K is, you know, our bodies are designed to move when we experience stress. And, and again, that's where the movement comes in. And, and exercise is a great form of movement. So I'm not, you know, and check with your doctor on this if you think you need to check with your doctor. Don't, don't sue us if you, you know, get up and run 18 miles and, and pass out. So, you know, but but this like whole idea like, like of just moving, taking a long walk, because what happens is human beings, we grew up where stress really required a physical reaction, right? Something might be a predator, might be in our environment and we need to get away from it, the flight response. Something might attack us and we got the fight response. Um, you know, and, and there's this great neurobiological saying is zebras don't get ulcers because what stresses a zebra out? A, a lion's trying to kill it and eat it. Well, it, as that's happening, the zebra is running. So if the zebra gets away, it's not carrying that stress forward with it. It has worn out that stress. So, you know, it's got the cortisol out of its body, it used it to escape uh, the lion, and it pretty much just goes back to eating grass afterwards. Um, and, okay. Yeah, exactly. And so when you think about human beings in our sedentary, for most of us, our sedentary jobs is we'll you know, outside COVID, we'll commute to work, which is, you know, stressful for a lot of us. Uh, we'll be at work, which is naturally stressful, and we'll be sitting down most of the time. Then we commute back, which is also stressful. If we don't add movement, we just keep that cortisol in our system, and it can become toxic to our body and, and our, our mind, as we've talked about uh, the effects of cortisol and stress in previous episodes. So, you know, again, in exercise, getting that vigorous activity, there is a place for that. And it's, it does hold, depending on your whatever level you're at, you know, working up a sweat is a good thing. I don't want to, I want to discount that. I still, you know, even with this idea of active recovery movement, I'm still trying to run a 
two or three days a week and I throw in some, this is a whole different arena of a conversation, but some, some, I, I do some martial arts training, uh, which don't go anywhere like I'm going to get in an MMA ring anytime soon. But it's just a way to get some uh, upper body workout for me in a time where uh, the gym is closed. Um, so, you know, I worked some of those vigorous activities where I'm working up a good sweat, getting my heart rate up. Um, I have to have that recovery process with my heart rate variability. Uh, but I'm filling in a lot of time where um, that active recovery where I'm just going for, you know, uh, I, I probably walk on average about three miles a day. I've got a hyperactive dog who needs it. Um, I've got a fat dog who just goes on the shorter walks with us, but you know, so, so it's just great because I'm getting that cortisol out. I'm also out in nature when I do this. Um, I, we're lucky enough to live in Denver where we have a lot of great park so, space. You know, I, I'm lucky to live in an area where I walk by two lakes, you know, on, on my typical walk of the dog. So, you know, being out in nature is also a, a nice thing um, as well. So, so again, the, the idea is to, at the very minimum, move. Try to move daily. Um, and if, you, if you're able to, and your doctor says you can, don't sue us, um, really look to add some of that more vigorous activity. And if all you can do is run around the block, start there, get that heart rate up and then work more in it as time goes on. So key thing is movement every day. And then if you can do more of that vigorous activity, there's been some great studies out and it, it seems like, you know, 35 to 45 minutes, four to six times a week of that vigorous activity, um, we see lowers uh, rates of depression, even some studies on anxiety, as much as psychotropic medications do. So uh, don't stop your medication before talking to a physician, um, but it just shows that we have some natural ability uh, to really improve our mental health through through movement and exercise um, as well. So so yeah, I mean the key is to move, and then if you can add some of that more vigorous activity a few times a week, uh, then you've got a really great wellness routine, and you should see your heart rate variability over time uh, really improve because of it. That makes sense. And apologies, my Zoom dropped. Uh, in the middle of that. So if, uh, if you lost me or if it looked like I wasn't responding, that's why. Um, <laughs> oh, I just kept talking, Jeff. It, okay. Fun. No, that's good. I, I, I just, um, so, so let's apply that, right? I don't think anybody out there would argue that, you know, they just generally feel better if they get up and move a little bit. Yeah. And, and to your point, you know, whatever your threshold is, um, is great, but you know, let's apply that to, I, th I think you've done a good job of helping everybody sort of understand what that means for them as an individual. But if you're a, a caregiver, if you're a practitioner, if you're a therapist, if you're a clinician, if you're a doctor, um, if you're an employer, yeah. um, how do you fit this into a wellness strategy? How do you, not only the concept of movement, but then, you know, tying that back into HRV monitoring for your client base, constituent group, whatever it might be. Yeah, so, so great thing. Well, one is a part of every self-care plan, uh, at least everyone that I recommend and the model that I use is that uh, 
movement and exercise is a part of that. Again, sitting down continuously when you are stressed out is horrible. There, there's been some, and I think, you know, some of this is just terror. I, our like, it's like, well, sitting is the new smoking. No, it's not. It, it, may, it may not be great for you. You need to stand up every <laughs> once in a while, but you're not, you know, let's be careful with some of this. Like sugar's the new cocaine. You know, you weren't around during the crack epidemic if you're going to say stuff like that. So, but, but again, what, what it's saying in ways that sell books and that I refuse to, to, uh, to, to make those type of statements, uh, at least uh, from a scientific perspective is, you know, so, so if we think about this, one is where do you move during your day? Um, can you take a walk at lunch? Uh, can you get out for a little bit of break? Even just going around the block, you're working that up. Um, I have, and I think it's great, a, a standing desk. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, if you have the budget for it, uh, treadmill desks, uh, desk where you can have a little kind of pedal bike underneath uh, your uh, station. So, so really it's, it's working with folks is, can you integrate this throughout the day? I love, but I, you know, in my arena, you don't see a lot of this because of budgets. Um, to have a gym at work with some showers around, uh, to be able to work out at lunch, to be able to work out before or after work, just to, just to have that there. Um, you know, Google and others don't invest in this because, oh, it's the fun thing to do. They invest in it because they think it helps their turnover rate and helps their productivity. Um, so, you, you know, it's, it's working with folks as part of an overall self-care strategy uh, to say, okay, you know, well, what in your life, and really this is up to the individual employee, unless you have the money to do uh, bigger and better things, like again, standing desk with treadmills or other things, um, you know, to, to have them thinking about that. What do you do every day to get some movement in? And again, if it, all it is, is, hey, you know, I, I live in, uh, you know, Northern Canada and I, you know, I, I you know, it's freezing out in the winter. Well, Okay, then, then can you walk around the block? Uh, can you walk up and down stairs? Uh, can you do a few push-ups uh, or a plank? You know, Jumping jacks. Yep. something to get that movement in. So, you know, it's really, for most employers, it's going to be up to the individual to decide what that is. But the encouragement and the education we can give folks is, uh, you know, how do you get movement in as, as part of your day? And again, if there's a lunch break and, you know, there, there's a treadmill in the, the facility or they can get out and, and go for a walk, you know, uh, really encourage them to, to do that as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it, right. Is, is it just ensuring that this is a part of the treatment plan and making sure that movement is, is high on the priority list for everybody involved in, in the relationship and, yeah. and knowing the impact of that, you know, we've we have some had some really cool conversations lately about, you know, occupational therapy and yeah. and the use of movement and and um, you know, just just different things as far as 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 they're working with their clients. It's just really interesting to see the breakthroughs that they're making. Yeah, um, you know, as a result of incorporating more and more movement into what they're doing. So. Yeah. And we see, we see this, I, I mentioned the mental health perspective, obviously physical health, um, if you don't overdo it, but, but also we see folks that work out have bigger prefrontal cortexes. They have 
more neurogenesis, which is the creation of new brain cells. We don't create a ton of new brain cells because you don't want to wake up with a fourth of a new brain every day. That would be weird. But, you know, over time, because of aging, injuries, other things, you know, we do uh, gradually create new brain cells, a process called neurogenesis. And, you know, activity really uh, spurns that uh, we, we see more neurogenesis in uh, animal studies for animals that, that work out. So, you know, again, it, everything I see about movement, you know, can be summed up as we're just designed as human beings to move. We're not designed to be sedentary. And, and I think there's, there's so much research out there that shows us that that's true. I, I mean, I, you, most people probably don't need me to, to say that, but it's, you know, don't think you have to go run a half marathon. That's, that's, that's not, and for some people, that's not healthy right off the bat, you know, and it's, you know, I, I hope I can go for a hike in Colorado when I'm 80 years old. That's really, I'm, I'm really structuring. And, you know, I, I like, I like my pickleball. I, you know, I like, I like things that I, at this point in my life, I won't be doing things uh, that I'm doing now for the next 40 plus years. Um, you know, and, and, you know, trying to structure those things and I enjoy them too. I mean, that's, that's the other thing about exercises. If you can find something that you enjoy, you're more likely to do it. My wife loves Zumba. So, you know, uh, she, you know, and, uh, wants me to go with her and, uh, then I dance and she realizes it wouldn't be a good idea or safe for anybody, but, you know, finding <laughs> something you love to do, enjoy it, have fun. If you're, you know, you can get social team sports, you know, those things, you get your social connections as well, be in nature. All those things are just kind of like multipliers uh, to getting that movement in. Yep. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I mean, and this is one of those topics that I, I think is, is easy for everybody to understand. I think yeah. it's good to know the science behind it. Um, I think it's good to understand the importance of not just utilizing it as a self self care mechanism, but also as part of you know your, your plans with your patients and, yeah. and employees and, and everybody else. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think you've done a really good job of summarizing you know why. Yeah, it's, it's, we all sort of know it. We all sort of inherently feel it, but understanding exactly what's going on, I think, is really important. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, let's let's talk about our exciting news for those that care. So uh... <laughs> that's right for for the users that are actually using our Optimal HRV app, and for those who are not, obviously, feel free to uh, go to optimalhrv.com, learn more about it. Uh, available on uh, the Apple Store, Google Play Store. You search for Optimal HRV, you can download it. Um, but yeah, we had some pretty significant uh, um, changes. So uh, maybe you can kind of start, Matt, in terms of why we made the changes. I think that's important before we even talk about what the changes are. Yeah, well, one of the things, you know, one, one of the things that I was really invested in when we started this out, and it's a little bit because of who uses ours, we wanted to just give people the data. Um, you know, a lot of different apps out there and I'm fans of some of these apps. So, so it's just, I think different uses, they sort of make jumps in some ways to say, Hey, we're majoring, I'll just use energy, for example. Well, what is energy per se? Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that if you're using it just as a casual user, but, you know, integrating this into workplace environments, integrating this into mental health, uh, 
healthcare, you know, we, we really wanted, and I think there's a huge benefit to give people the data. Here's your heart rate variability score in a concrete number right up front. And in doing so, you know, we, we, some of the feedback we got was, yeah, this, this is good. Uh, I'd, I'd like just something maybe to give me the, the, how am I doing today answer in a more straightforward way. So, you know, the, the one thing on the main page after you take a reading that, that and, and we also do this on a, a secondary page with a seven day average is we, we've gone to a stoplight. So, um, and this has always been a little bit of ours, but we've just kind of blown this up uh, to be a more major part. So you get your, you get your, you get a red light. Um, I believe if you're 75 or 70% below your all time average, uh, yellow light is, uh, 85, uh, 270, and then uh, above 85 and up is a green light. We got a couple of different levels of green. So, so every day when you take your reading, you sort of get a quick glance at, am I green? I'm ready to go. Yellow. Yeah, I'm not doing great recovering from stress. So, so just kind of a, you know, a caution. And then red is, hey, I, I'm not doing too good. And And the same thing of, the seven day averages is we get uh, the, the green, hey, I'm having a good week, yellow, eh, I'm struggling a little bit, red, something's going on. So um, yeah, it's just right up front. Uh, we've revised the suggestions we give along with the, the light. Um, and we have a cool uh, a graph where it looks at, I believe your last six days of readings and uh, compares it to your all-time readings as well. So the uh, we went from uh, bar graphs to a really easy to read and I think a really cool uh, line graph. So um, the data is still all there. Um, as we were throwing about this around to people, don't take my numbers away. So so for all you that said uh, that's what you loved about our app, it is all still there. Uh, but but just kind of like, how am I doing today? How am I doing this week? How's today compared to the, the last five days? Um, you'll just be able to glance at the uh, the readings and get all, all that information in, in really just a, a second um, or two. You can you can dive in deeper still, uh, but but it's just it, I think we cleaned it up a little bit, Jeff, and I think we yeah. we we made it uh, just a little bit more obvious in, in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the one thing that, that you didn't mention that I think people will be interested in, because we talked a little bit about in the podcast, is bringing that population norm yeah. into the app. Um, so if you, in your profile section, for those users who haven't gone into their profile and input their gender and age, please do that because your your population average is based on gender and age. Yep. So what this is going to do now is, is obviously you're more concerned with your baseline and trying to outperform yep. your baseline and see a, a continued increase in that score. But now you can sort of relate your scores to the quote unquote population average just to get a, another idea of baseline. You know, I mean, yep. obviously there's so much that goes into this, um, you know, from a genetic standpoint, but it's it's just one more barometer to understand sort of how you're doing as far as, you know, a human at your, your age for your gender. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a huge, again, as you said, we don't want people to obsess about the population norms. There's not, there's not honestly wonderful data out there for population norms. There's sort of a, a gold standard study, which is what we use. 
Uh, but even if you're not familiar with standard deviations, basically there's an average and we use the, the average average, which is, you know, you take the number of people in the study, you take all their scores and you divide it by the number in the study and you get one solid number. But a standard deviation is kind of the range where two thirds of the people more or less fall into. And so the standard deviation is, is, is wide. And yep. the, the age range is also pretty wide as well. So, so we'll, we'll continue as, as more data, more studies come out to, to fine tune this. Um, I just went up in age group and your HRV naturally declines with age. So, so being at the younger end, I, I'm feeling really good uh, about, about where I'm at. <laughs> I have to remind myself that I'm just out of that, that other one, but you know, it does, you know, for the clinicians out there, healthcare providers, you know, it just gives you a glance of, okay, here's where the average for this person is. And if they're following significantly, you know, like when we use RMSSD, if they're 10 points below the average, uh, something's probably going on. If they're close to or above the average, that they're, they're doing pretty well. Um, again, genetics takes a lot of response. Even somebody doing above average, according to their population norm, you know, the goal is still to improve that over time. Um, if you're really outperforming your average, I'm, I'm almost double it, Jeff. I'm doing pretty good on, on most days. Uh, you know, it's to try to keep it up there. So I, I don't pay a lot of attention to that because I've worked really hard to, to be healthy. Uh, so I want to keep it uh, where it is, uh, but it's still good. Every day I get a little uh, uh, dopamine serotonin boost to say, yeah, still outperforming that population norm. So, <laughs> well, I say, I say every day. It's, it's not, uh, Jeff Most got days. to see one of my scores. I, I had a, uh, uh, yeah, a not so good night's sleep and boy, did it show up uh, in a uh, bright red score. Uh, I think it was, uh, uh, Tuesday this week. So uh, yes, e even Matt and Jeff are in the red uh, from time to time. That's, that's right. That's right. And for those of you who are using the app and want to take advantage of the new interface, um, go ahead and uninstall your current app. Go back into the store, re-download. We don't quite have the, the automatic push update yet. That'll be part of the next generation yeah. in that we'll be releasing in the next few months. So um you know, love to get feedback, love to get some ratings on the various stores. So, uh, you know, for those folks who do try the new interface out, um, please let us know your thoughts. We try to make it just a little bit easier to read and understand at a quick glance. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, a little shorter than normal this week, Matt, because I think everybody generally understands exercise movement and the value it brings, but thanks for for bringing some science into it and, and helping people understand the why, not just, uh, just the fact. Otherwise, have a great weekend. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yep. We will uh, talk to everybody again next week on our next episode. Take care, everybody. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this episode. If you're interested in more information about HRV, please visit us at OptimalHRV.com. Also, if you visit OptimalHRV.com, you'll be able to sign up for our email list and download our free ebook, Healing with HRV. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next episode.